Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes has returned. And because listenership was so good for Tales of the Texas Rangers, we'll be running episodes from that show every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Tales of the Texas Rangers features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Music means all things to all people. Music is relaxation, adventure, Elysian fields of dreams come true. And at this joyous holiday time, music is Christmas. We of NBC feel proud of our Monday evening lineup of truly fine music programs. Tomorrow means more fine music on NBC with the Railroad Hour featuring Gordon McRae and Lucille Norman in The Happy Prince, a special Christmas Eve production to add to your listening pleasure. Also tomorrow, there's The Voice of Firestone with guest Eleanor Stieber. Later, there's the Telephone Hour with guest soloist Blanche Thiebaum. And tomorrow, enjoy the Christmas program of the Mario Lanza Show with Mario Lanza, lovely Giselle McKenzie, and Ray Sinatra's orchestra. Yes, Monday is your invitation to music over most NBC stations. Make a program note to hear the Railroad Hour, the Voice of Firestone, the Telephone Hour, and the Mario Lanza Show tomorrow. Monday means music on NBC. Hear it on this station. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Christmas Payoff. It is 4 p.m. on the afternoon of December 25th, 1940, in the small West Texas town of Rockfield. In his office, Dr. Edward Hartley and his nurse are just clearing up after treating an emergency case, which has taken the doctor away from his family on this Christmas day. Doctor, before I leave, would you like me to stay? Alice, I would just like you to scoot on home where you should have been hours ago. And what about you? I think it's a shame. The one day in the year family should be together and you have an emergency. Well, anyway, old Mrs. Thompson will feel a lot better now for the holidays. Pretty nasty infection. Mm-hmm. Guess doctoring's the one business can't be run by a time clock. And nursing's a part of doctoring, so I leave when you do. <laughs> Trapped. 
Sure would have loved to spend the whole day with the youngsters, though. No, they probably won't even let you back in the house. Well, Christmas got them so excited, I don't think they even know I'm gone. Oh, by the way, you sure you won't have supper with us? I'd love to, Doctor, but... Oh, no. Huh? What's the matter? Doctor, you come over the window for a minute? Not another patient. I think so. Oh, well, guess the Christmas tree can wait a little longer. Who is it? I don't know. Here, look. That man just getting out of the car. I don't recognize him. That arm must be in pretty bad shape. Bandage clear to the elbow. And why didn't he come in two hours ago? Hmm? What do you mean? That man was sitting in that car two hours ago. Only he was parked in front of the house next door. I wonder... Come away from there. What, Doctor, what's... I don't want him to see you. Now, go on. What else? Well, just an hour later, when I took Mrs. Thompson out to her car, he was still there. And he meant it. He really meant it. Doctor, what is it? Alice, now listen to me. Don't ask any questions. I want you to get in the supply closet and stay there. What? Whatever you do, don't make a sound. No matter what happens out here, don't give yourself away. You understand me? Your life depends on it. What is it? Why don't we call the sheriff? I'm going to. Now, hurry, hurry into the closet. Now, remember, not a sound. I should have known it had come. I didn't know when. Come on, come on. Operator, this is Doc Hartley. Listen carefully. I have to speak quietly. Get the sheriff to my office as quick as you can, and don't call back. Just get him out here. Can't stall any longer. Come in. Just a minute. Here goes. Yes? You, Doc Hartley? That's right. Well, can I come in? Oh, of course. Come in. Uh, no, that, that's the supply closet. My dispensary is this way. Mm-hmm. Now, if you'll just get up on the table. Uh, would you like to lie down? More comfortable for that arm. I'll sit. That's a lot of bandaging. What did you do to that hand? I think maybe I sprained it. You're the doc. Suppose you tell me. Huh. Always work this slow, doc? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Where's your nurse? She's gone home a long time ago. Not even supposed to be working today. This is Christmas, you know. Yeah, I know. Why don't you pull the last of the bandage off, Doc? Don't you want to see my hand? I know what's in it. Then I'll do it myself. Yeah. See? There's your Christmas present, Doc, in my fist. Nice 38. Don't you want it, Doc? Why are you doing this? Why? Maybe I shouldn't give it to you. You guessed what it was. Spoiled my surprise. Nah, you look like a nice guy. I'll give it to you anyway. Look at me, Doc. You know what it's for. You <laughs> Merry Christmas, Doc. Sheriff Lon McGill, on arriving at the scene of the crime, found Dr. Hartley dead and Nurse Alice Leonard in a state of physical collapse. He immediately asked for the help of the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, joining the sheriff at the doctor's office a short while later. Photographer will be out of your way in a minute, Jace. The nurse I told you about is in the other room. Maybe you want to talk to her first. Yeah, thanks, Sheriff. She's still as bad off as she was. Oh, she's some better now. It's a rough thing for a woman to have to go through. Yeah, plenty rough. In here, Jason. 
Alice. Alice, this is Ranger Pearson. It's Alice Leonard, Jace. Been Doc Hartley's nurse for six years. Howdy, ma'am. I'm sorry. I just can't seem to get a hold of myself. But it was so horrible. I know how you must feel, ma'am, but you'll be helping a lot by answering a few questions. I'd try. Fine. Sheriff here has given me what you told him, so I won't put you through that again. Just want to clear up a few things. You know of anyone who might have wanted Doc dead? Oh, what sort of person would want that? Doctor was a wonderful man. Never had an enemy in his life. Sheriff, he'll tell you that. That's right, Jace. Doc was a real popular man in this town. I never heard a word against him. Friend didn't put him where he is now, Sheriff. Ma'am, you say you saw the killer's face? Yes, through the keyhole. You think you'd recognize him if you saw him again? Yes, I'm sure I would. Good. Now, from their conversation, would you say the doctor knew this man? No. Yet when he saw him through the window, he made you hide in the closet. Yes, that's right. He say anything at all about the man? No. Wait. Wait, I remember now he said something about... He meant it. He meant it? Yes. What is it, ma'am? I just remembered something, a note. What note, Alice? A few weeks ago, the doctor got a letter. I opened it because I take care of his mail. Go on. Inside was just a piece of paper with words cut out from newspapers, pasted to it. It said the payoff is soon. What did the doctor say when he saw it? Well, he just laughed, said it was some sort of joke. But I caught him sitting and staring at it a few times after that. You know where that letter is? Well, I think it's in his desk. Miss Leonard... You remember anything about the car this man drove? No. Just that it was black, a sedan. Oh, and the front fender had a big dent in it. I remember I could see it from the office window. I think that'll do for now, ma'am. You go home and try and get some rest. Uh, Tell the deputy I said to drive you home, Alice. I will. I hope you find the man that did this. I hope you find him. Poor woman. She was mighty fond of the doc, Jase. Must have spent some bad minutes in that closet. Yeah, the doc had a couple of bad minutes, too, Sheriff. Uh, the photographer must be finished in there by now. Let's take a look. Nothing's been touched in there, Jase. Everything's just the way we found it. Thought you'd want it that way. Thanks, Sheriff. Let's have a look at the doc. Yeah, I'll just whip the sheet off him here. Shot at close range, all right. Powder burns. The angle of the shot seemed to bear out the nurse's story. Ballistics will fill us in later. Let's have a look at this desk. Okay, Jace. Well, there's not much on this side, Jace. What's the matter? Drawer full of Christmas candies. That'll be a nice Christmas for those poor kids. Hey, wait a minute, Jace. I think this is what you want. And that's it. The payoff is soon. No envelope with it? Mm. I reckon Doc threw that away. It'd be a tough one to trace. Cheap paper, the message, and newspaper captions. It's used a lot for blackmail because it's so hard to run down. Well, where to now, Jace? Has the Doc's wife been told about this yet? No. Been holding off. I sure don't relish it, none. Those kids and all. 
Let's tell her together then, Sheriff. It's a little easier that way. Thanks, Jason. Anything more we can do here? No, but before we go, I want to check on that black sedan with a smashed front fender. See if it's on the stolen car list. Sure thing. If you can spare a couple of deputies, Sheriff, I'd like them to do a house-to-house on this street. Maybe somebody else got a look at that car or the killer. It's a good idea, Jace. There's not much to go on, is there? There's enough. They always leave enough. And this is one killer I want, Sheriff. I want him bad. Black sedan with a smashed front fender was on the stolen car list. We finished our calls and left. Fifteen minutes later, we stood in front of a large, neat house on a well-kept street. Staring at the front door, Doc Hartley would never open again. Through the parlor window, we could see three laughing kids and proud grandparents around a Christmas tree. It was a rough doorbell to ring. Oh, I'm sorry. I was expecting my husband. Oh, Sheriff McKell. Howdy, Miss Hartley. Can we come in? Oh, why, of course. Please do. I imagine you want to see Ed. I'm I'm sorry. He had an emergency, but if you like, Mrs. I can... Mrs. Hartley, this is Ranger Pearson. Howdy, ma'am. <laughs> Hello, Ranger. Pleased to meet you. Ma'am, can we speak to you privately? I mean, in another room, away from them. Of course. Come in here. Well, what is it? Ma'am, it's best to say it quickly. Your husband, he's been killed. Oh, no. Here, you you better sit down, Miss Hartley. I'm sorry, ma'am. How did it happen? He was shot, ma'am, by a man who came in asking for treatment. I want to find that man, Mrs. Hartley. I... I know how you feel at a time like this, but if you could answer a few questions, it would help. I'll try. Has anyone threatened your husband that you know of? Did he seem worried lately? No, Did anyone call him today beside the woman he went to treat? Just a man. What man? A little past noon, the phone rang. Some man asked for my husband. I told him he was at the office on an emergency, and he just hung up. You recognize the voice, Mrs. Hartley? No. Just one more question, ma'am. Do you know of anyone who had a grudge against the doctor who would have wanted this to happen? No. Nobody. Nobody except... Except who? Oh, I was thinking of that man, the the one he sent to prison. Sent to prison, ma'am? I think I can explain that, Jace. You mean that Nixon thing, Miss Hartley? Yes. Well, it happened a couple of years back, Jace. A fellow named Al Nixon robbed the payroll of a gas-cracking plant about 40 miles from here. Shot during the getaway, though. Came through here and forced Doc Hartley to treat him at gunpoint. You know what kind of stretch they gave him, Sheriff? No, I don't remember. You see, that was before I was Sheriff. I was living at the other end of the county then. Well, anyway, seems Doc somehow sneaked a phone call while he was treating Nixon, and the police got him. Isn't that right, Miss Hartley? Yes. They sent him to Huntsville. Mrs. Hartley, 
I'm sorry to put you through this. We're going to leave now. Is there anything we can do for you? Nothing. There's nothing anyone can do. How will I tell the children? from KTXA ought to be in any minute now, Sheriff. I still don't see why you ask him for that rundown on Nixon, Jace. You thinking maybe he's out? I don't know, Sheriff, but I sure want to find out. Nixon's got a real good motive for this killing. Well, I got to go with you on that. KTXA, Unit 10. That's it. KTXA, Unit 10. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead. Have information you requested. Al Nixon, sentence, life term, Huntsville Penitentiary, December 1937. Money from gas-cracking plant payroll never recovered. 10-4, unit 10 clear. KDXA Austin. Well, that kind of kills that, don't it, Jace? Man with the best motive of all is serving life at Huntsville. Uh, still too good to pass by, Sheriff. What do you mean? Look, Nixon may be in Huntsville for life, but that doesn't change his motive. It's still good. So good I want to see him. I'm going to Huntsville in the morning. In a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Who catches tuberculosis? The young? Yes, but so do the old. And so do people of any race or nationality. Half a million Americans are afflicted with TB. 40,000 a year die from it. Yet TB is preventable and curable. It can be controlled. How? One way is through Christmas seals. Christmas seals are the sole support of the 3,000 voluntary associations affiliated with the National Tuberculosis Association, which are fighting to wipe out TB in their communities. The greater the Christmas seal sale, the nearer we are to ending the scourge of tuberculosis. If you haven't already purchased your Christmas seals, you can still buy and use them. Be glad of this easy, inexpensive way to help others. Be grateful for the opportunity to help safeguard your own home against the dread white plague. And now back to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Christmas Payoff. Next morning, I left Nurse Alice Leonard with the sheriff to begin the long job of trying to pick a killer's picture out of the gallery. Then I headed for Huntsville. I wasn't in the visiting room five minutes when Nixon was brought in. A brutal-looking little man who shuffled forward and sat across the table from me, waiting for me to talk. My name's Pearson, Nixon. Ranger Pearson. Ah, uh, what do you want, a medal for remembering your name? I want some answers. <laughs> And if I don't give them to you, you'll have me arrested, huh? <laughs> you remember Dr. Hartley, Nixon? Yeah. Yeah, I remember him. Look around. Ain't this good reason to remember him? He didn't put you here. You put yourself here. Hartley put me here. Oh, but don't you worry ahead about me, Ranger. I'll make out. Yeah. You worry about Hartley. 
Hartley's dead, Nixon. You, you mean that? He's dead. Shot to death. <laughs> Something funny, Nixon? Sure, sure. Don't you get it? He put me in here, now he's dead, but I'm still alive. <laughs> oh, you cops, you're all so smart, ain't you? Sure, sure, you got me, but you never got the money. And best of all, Hartley is dead. You're in the right place, Nixon. Uh, uh, so that's why you're here, huh? Maybe I killed him, huh? <laughs> sure, sure, I'll confess. I just walked through the walls, knocked them off, and flew back like a bird. Phone <laughs> yeah. call for you, Ranger. You can take it in the office. All right, guy. Thanks. Is Rose Nixon? Yeah, you can have him. This way. Hey, Ranger, arrest me. I killed him. I killed him. In there, Ranger. Thanks. Hello? Sheriff McGill, Jace. How are you making out? Cold trail, Sheriff. Nixon's no help. How'd you come out? Nurse picked out a picture, Jace. Swears it's him. Fella named Lou Crowley. You run a make on him? I sure did. He did the last two years in Huntsville. Released a week ago. Beginning to fit, Sheriff. Any more on that car? I was just coming to that. They found it about a hundred miles from here. Abandoned in some brush just outside of Crest City. I want to see that car, Sheriff. Tell him to hold it where it is. As soon as I talk to the warden, I'm heading for Crest City. Want to meet me there? Sure thing, Jace. Meet you at the hotel. Never can tell what's coming, Sheriff. That cold trail's all warmed up again. I had my talk with the warden and then met the sheriff in Crest City. As we headed for the spot where the abandoned car had been found, I kept thinking of Doc's wife and her three small kids. I was getting closer to a killer, and I liked it. Oh, I don't know, Jason. No matter how I figure it, there's always a couple of loose ends. Well, then try this, Sheriff. Al Nixon is doing life for a payroll robbery, and he's convinced it's Doc Hartley's fault. Now, that payroll was never found because Nixon hid it someplace before they got him. Yeah, I follow that far, Jason. In Huntsville with Nixon was Lou Crowder. Now, Nixon knew he wasn't ever going to get to use that money, so suppose he made a deal with Crowder. Crowder could have it if he killed Doc Hartley. But what was to stop Crowder from just digging up the money and not killing the Doc? Well, Nixon's too smart for that, Sheriff. Probably set it up so he'd let Crowder know where the money is after he was sure of Doc's death. Yeah. It figures all right. But how would he let Crowder know? By letter, Sheriff. The warden told me Nixon's already written Crowder three times. What good would that do? All mail coming out of Huntsville is censored, Jace. I know, but the two men had plenty of time to rig a code when they were together in the pen. Then a letter could be the answer. That's right. Yeah, the highway patrol car up ahead must be where the car is. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. Howdy. Uh, howdy, fellas. It, there's a car, Jace, just behind this brush. Jace, even if your figuring's right, what do you reckon this car is going to tell us? Just one thing, Sheriff. That's it. I don't get it, Jace. You will. Look, would Crowder want to hang around a town he'd killed a man in? No, reckon not. But if he's expecting a letter from Nixon... He's got a light someplace to get it. What are you driving at? Put this together. This car's still in running order. Crowder didn't have to leave it. 
That makes Crest City a pretty good bet for the place the letter's going to be picked up. But what if Crowder's already picked the letter up? Uh, it's not likely. Nixon didn't even know about the killing till I told him today. And he'd want to be sure before he paid off. What if Nixon double-crosses Crowder? Suppose he don't send the letter telling where the money is. He'll send it, Sheriff. I got a good look at Nixon's face when I told him Doc was dead. He'll send it. Back in Crest City, the postmaster agreed to notify us the minute he got any letter postmarked Huntsville without giving it out. The very next day, the letter was there. And a man had come in for it, but was told it hadn't arrived. The postmaster noticed the man was driving a car with a horse trailer attached. I got my horse trailer, and we set the trap in the post office the next morning. That's Crowder, all right, Jason. He got the letter. Shall we take him? No. Hold it, Sheriff. What's the matter? I don't want to take a chance. He's probably armed. Some of these people may get hurt. Well, what are you going to do? Give him a lead and tail him. All right. Let's move up the front door and see where he goes. He just got in that car, Jace. Yeah. The one with the trailer. He's pulling out. Come on. You reckon he'll head straight for that money? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He's not pulling that horse trailer for nothing. He must be heading someplace. He can't use a car. Yeah. It's all right with me. We'll get him, Sheriff. Wherever he goes... We'll get him. For almost three hours, we trailed Crowder by car, never getting too near him, just pinpointing him. When the country got rough, he left his car and switched to the horse he'd been pulling. So did we. We gave him a bigger lead and just followed his tracks. Awful rough climb, Jace. You sure we're following him? I don't see any tracks. We're following him all right, Sheriff. Didn't you just see that turned rock, moist on one side? A hoof did that. Beats me how you spot him. Hold it, Sheriff. Oh, oh, oh. It's a drop-off just ahead. I want to look. See anything, Jay? Shh. Hold it. just over the drop, about 20 feet. Is he digging, Jace? Better than that, Sheriff. He's found it already. Now look, Sheriff, he's in a dead-end canyon. I'm going down after him. You cut along this ridge and close in from the base. All right, Jace, but be careful. Come on, boy. Crowder! Get your hands up. You'll never take me, copper! That's a warning, Crowder. Next one will be through your head. Now throw your gun away. All right. All right, don't shoot. You see, my hands are up. Keep him there. Look, look, Ranger. There's 30,000 bucks here. I'll make a deal with you. Take half the money. Just give me a chance. Like the chance you gave, Doc? You're not going to get that money. No, you don't. <laughs> give me that knife. <laughs> you all right, Jay? Yeah, I'm all right, Sheriff. You were taking an awful chance that way, Jace. Oh, oh. I know it, Sheriff. I had a bad minute there when I saw his knife glint in the sun. Thought you'd have to gun him for sure. I didn't want it that way. I had to take Crowder alive, Sheriff. He's my Christmas present to the warden at Huntsville. In 
just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. On February 3rd, 1941, Al Nixon was removed from Huntsville Penitentiary to stand trial along with Lou Crowder for the premeditated murder of Dr. Hartley. Both men were found guilty. The sentence, death in the electric chair. This is Joel McRae, folks. I just want to say I hope you'll all have a happy holiday season and many more to come. See you next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Next, it's The Big Show. All this and Tallulah, too, on NBC. Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. In two days, a new year will be upon us, and with it come top New Year's Day football games on this NBC station. Both the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl games will be broadcast by NBC this New Year's Day. First, from Dallas, Texas, you'll hear the wide-open passing game of the Kentucky Wildcats and the Texas Christian Horned Frogs. Then, later in the day, the West will meet the East when the Indians from Stanford meet the Fighting Illini of Illinois in the world-famous Rose Bowl. Tuesday's broadcast from the Rose Bowl in Pasadena will mark the 26th year this football classic has been aired coast-to-coast. As usual on NBC... You'll hear every thrilling play expertly called as the Stanford Indians, led by their coach of the year, Chuck Taylor, clash with Ray Elliott's men from Illinois. Make your New Year's Day more enjoyable by listening to both the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl football games on this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers... The case called Killer's Crop. It is 10.35 p.m. April 16th, 1947. A black coupe is driving west on a deserted highway 20 miles from San Antonio, Texas. Inside the coupe, the girl glances nervously at the driver. Richard? Yeah? What's this all about? What do you mean, Kitty? You know what I mean. Why couldn't you just pay me back there in front of my rooming house like usual? Why bring me way out here in the sticks? Like I told you, Kitty, the boss says we've got to be real careful these days. This is far enough. Come on, let's walk a little. 
I'd rather go back home. Now, Kitty, don't tell me you're not interested in the money anymore. What's the matter, Kitty? Well, nothing. I'm just tired. Sure, that's all it is. Wouldn't be you've gotten cold feet or anything like that, would it? Cold feet? Well, of course not. It's just that I... That may be why you went to see that doctor the other day? Doctor? Oh, you didn't think the boss and I knew about that, huh? Listen, mister... The doctor gonna take care of your cold feet, is he? Or maybe the police are. Uh, I haven't been to the police. No, not yet. Well, where were you fixing to go when I came by this evening? Well, just to a movie. Sure, sure. That's why you had all those crop-dusting auto blanks we told you to burn. I, I just forgot to burn them. Yeah? You weren't by any chance figuring on turning them over to the police for evidence, were you? No. Too bad, Kitty. Too bad. You used to be a good mule. Me too. You got it wrong. Have I? So all of a sudden, you're too good for the outfit, huh? You want out, maybe? Ah. Uh, all right. All right. I'm sick of a whole rotten, filthy mess. Look at me. Look at the wreck that stuff made out of me, and I've been helping make wrecks out of other people. Well, I'm through. I'm getting out. My, my, my. Isn't she an angel all of a sudden? No, not by a long shot. But maybe someday with help, I can get over it. You want to tell that to the boss? You think I'm afraid to say it to him, huh? Okay, take me to him. You know something? I already did. What? Standing right there in the bushes behind you. <laughs> Two days later, a young boy accidentally discovered the girl's body in the bottom of a dry wash near the highway. The sheriff was notified and requested help from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Nothing's been moved, Jace. Good. Here we are. Yeah. Shot from close range, looks like. Uh-huh. Pretty young, isn't she? Sure. Any identification on her? Purse had been emptied. But see the ring on her finger? Yeah. Class ring. According to it, she graduated from Ransford High School four years ago. Well, we should be able to get an identification from the school records then. I... What is it, Jase? Sheriff. Take a look here. On her left forearm, near the crook of the elbow. Hmm. Tiny scars. Quite a few of them, Jeff. What does that spell to you, Sheriff? Narcotics addict? Mm, like this. I can sick at my stomach. So young. 21, 22. Look at her. Look where it led her. Same place it leads all of them sooner or later. Yeah. Only with her, it came a little faster. Somebody was supplying her with the stuff, Jeff. I know. That's why I'm taking a special interest in this case, Sheriff. Somewhere along the line, we got to dig that rat, whoever he is, out of his hole. From the Ransford High School records, we identified the dead girl as Kitty Barrow, 22 years old. She had listed as her next of kin and uncle, S.B. Cullen, who owned a ranch near Ransford. Cullen was sent for in the meantime, we learned that Kitty had lived at a rooming house in San Antonio. We called on her landlady there, Mrs. Wormser. Kitty dead. Rangers, I just had a fear it might be something like that. She'd been gone overnight before, but this time when it got to be two days, I just began to get a fear. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Wormser, where did Kitty work? Work? Well, I'm not sure she did. Oh? At least I don't know what kind of a job you could hold down, being out all hours and sleeping all morning like she used to. I see. Always was a mystery to me where she got her money. But I'm one that believes in minding my own business. But she did seem to have quite a little money? Sheriff, 
These days, dress the way she did and drive that flashy yellow convertible around. You don't do that or nothing. Yellow convertible? Yes. Still parked out back. Well, we want to take a look at that. You say she went out at night frequently, Mrs. Wormser? Well, there were several boys I'd date with her. Never saw any of them more than once. And then there was one that was with her several times. You know his name? No. Can you describe him? Well, I'd say it was in his late 20s, maybe 30. About your height, Sheriff. Anything else? No. Except he always wore a leather jacket. I'm afraid that's not very much to go on, ma'am. Well, that's about the best I can do. I always believe in my Yeah, mind. I know. Say, well, I... come to think of it, there was something else. Something about his face. What do you mean? Well, his Seemed like it was stretched kind of tight across his cheeks. So when he smiled, it stretched even tighter. Made the smile look kind of painful, like it hurt him, too. I see. Well, thank you very much, Miss Wormser. If there's anything else, we'll contact you again. Sure, Linda. Sure hope you catch whoever did it. So do we, ma'am. Apparently, Kitty was a little on the wild side. Had quite a few casual dates. Thing like that could be tough to run down. At least we've got to lead on one of our dates. Fellow in the leather jacket who looks like it hurts him to smile. Uh-huh. Pronounced facial characteristic like that can be a big help in making identification. Yeah, but even so, it's not too much to go on. I know. Sheriff, one of two things. Either Kitty was killed by one of those casual dates, in which case it will be tough, or else her killing stems from something else. A narcotic tangle? Yeah, she was an addict. She didn't have a job, yet she wore flashy clothes and drove a convertible. Where was she getting her money? I can think of one place. From peddling narcotics or rum. I'll have the lab give her car a good going over. If she was using it to transport narcotics, they'll be able to tell us. When the sheriff and I returned to his office, S.B. Cullen, the man whom Kitty had listed in high school as her next of kin, was waiting for us. I got over here from the ranch as soon as I could, Ranger. Thanks, Mr. Cullen. Uh, sure, too bad. Yeah. According to the registration blank Kitty made out her last year at Ransford High School, you're her next of kin. Uncle, she put down. Well, uh, matter of fact, that's not true. What do you mean? Well, uh, I wasn't really any kin to a sheriff. She used to call me Uncle Stan, but that was just sort of a nickname. Nickname? Yeah. You see, her mother died when she was just a baby. Her dad brought her up. He worked for me on my ranch, and the two of them lived there in one of the houses. Well, he died summer before her last year in high school. Her father? Yeah. And she didn't have nobody to turn to, so I took her in the big house with me and kind of looked after her all that year. And I'm going to tell you, I had a time, too. I'll get it, Jace. What do you mean about having a time, Mr. Cullen? Well, I don't like to say this, but Kitty was a little bit wild. Soon as she turned 21, she moved out on me. Said she was her own boss. Where'd she go? I heard she was working as a car hop in Lubbock for a while. She showed up at the ranch once or twice and hit me for a little money, and then I sort of lost track of her. Mr. Cullen, did you know that Kitty was addicted to narcotics? What? That's right. Well, no, I sure didn't. Why, that's terrible. It sure is. You know, one contributing cause for young people drifting into that is lack of supervision at home. Ranger, maybe I wasn't taking the place of her parents very good, but I, I was sure trying. It just seemed like she wouldn't let me. And then when she turned 21, well, what could I do? Yeah. Jace. Yes, Sheriff. That'll be all, Mr. Cullen. All right. 
Oh, uh, the ranger. Huh? I was just wondering, uh, I'd like to arrange for Kitty to have a decent burial. Uh, I know it's not much, but... Yeah, it can be arranged. Thanks, Ranger. Thanks. What is it, Sheriff? Your boss just telephoned. Captain Stinson? Yeah, said the lab reports have been sent to his office. Good. I'll get up there right away and see if they've turned up any leads for us. Hear the reports, Jace. Looks like your hunch the girl was transporting narcotics in her car was a good one. Yeah, microscopic particles found in the trunk. That's right. They found something else, too. In the tread of the tires... Quite a bit of insecticide. Insecticide? The kind they use for spraying crops. Hmm. I wonder where... Oh, wait. What's this? Little scrap of Mexican newspaper. They found it in one corner of the auto trunk. Got a lot of the powder on it. Could have been used to wrap the stuff. Mm-hmm. As you can see, there's a little of the paper's name showing at the top. Just four letters. E-N-D-O. Either part of the paper's name or the town where it's published... Mexico. I wonder if that's where the stuff came from. It's a chance, although you know how thorough the Border Patrol's been. Yeah. You got anything else, Captain? One thing more. Something that hits me kind of hard. What is it? We located a doctor who told us Kitty had planned to enter a sanatorium for treatment. What? Say, that could peg the reason for her murder. If she was running the stuff and decided to take treatments for her own addiction, that means she was probably trying to pull herself out of the mess. Whoever she was working for could have found out about it. Could have been afraid she'd turn them in. So they killed her to shut her mouth. It's a rotten business, Chase. And as far as I'm concerned, this is the most important case we've got. I feel the same way, Captain. We find who Kitty was working for, and we've got her killer. And right now, looks like the trail leads into Mexico. In a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Our National Safety Council reports that last year, more than 35,000 persons were killed in traffic accidents, with more than a million injured. Almost without exception, these fatalities and injuries were the result of carelessness, violation of traffic rules, or that drinking took away the driver's skill and judgment. Of those who lost their lives, 9,000 were pedestrians. The Safety Council is waging a constant campaign to develop in every driver and pedestrian the personal responsibility of knowing and obeying all traffic laws. Remember, traffic accidents don't always happen to someone else. They can happen to us, to you, or to me. Every driver is urged to obey all traffic signs and signals never to drive after drinking, and never to drive on the wrong side of the road, to be always alert at grade crossings. The slogan of the Safety Council is, Drive Safely for Life. The life you save may be your own. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Killer's Crop. Captain Stinson contacted the Mexican police. They assigned one of their agents to work with us, Ernesto Gomez, an old friend of mine. We met in the captain's office. 
It would seem as though a new channel for smuggling narcotics is in existence, Jason. That's the way it looks to us, Ernesto. The Border Patrol's got a pretty tight clamp on all the old ones. Here's a case of it reaching as far north as San Antonio. You fellows have any recent leads on operations in Mexico? Hey, see, Captain Stinson. We make it a point to keep track of recognized traffickers in narcotics down there. Which of them are in jail, which have served their sentences, and uh, where they are. You'll probably do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A year ago, one of them completed his prison sentence, Chuy Flores. He had been convicted as a grower. Grower? Si, si. He raised poppies and extracted the raw powder. After he was released from prison, he dropped out of sight. Only yesterday, I received a report that he had been seen recently in a town, uh, ooh, 100 miles or so below the border. That's Mendota, at the foot of the San Jacinto Range. He was buying provisions and claimed to be mining in the mountains. Wait a minute. What's the name of that town again? Mendota. That's it. What do you mean? In the trunk of the dead girl's car, we found a scrap of newspaper which apparently had been used to wrap the stuff in. We could only make out four letters of the name, E-N-D-O. That's part of Mendota. There's our tie-in, Captain. Sure looks like it, Jace. Uh, it would then appear that uh, Flores is up to his old trace, Jace. Yeah. Ernesto, I think we'd better take a little trip in the Ranger plane over the San Jacinto Range. See if we can find out where those tricks of his are. <laughs> Rugged country down there, Ernesto. Yes, yes. Those mountains are quite wild. You know, once I trail a fugitive through them for four days on foot without a sign of another human being. Well, we've crisscrossed this range pretty thoroughly. I'll have our pilot alter course. Yeah, Jace. Yeah? Look. Yeah. A little pocket down there just below the ridge. See? Pale patch of orange. That's poppies. Keep her flying straight ahead, Buck. I don't want anyone down there to know we're interested. I reckon that could be your Chewy Flores, Ernesto? Yeah, there's a real good chance of it, Jess. You got the spot fixed in your mind? See, si, got it. Okay, that's all we need to see from here. Now we'll go back and pack in for a closer look. The Ranger plane landed at Mendota. There we outfitted and started back into the San Jacinto Range on horseback. Portable radio transmitter was included in our equipment. Several hours ride up through the bleak foothills brought us close to the area we'd spotted from the plane. Hey, pocket should be just over that ridge ahead of us, Jason. Yeah. Well, we better leave the horses here. Ooh, boot Oh, oh. We can tie them in this clump of scrub. See? They should be sufficiently hidden here, I think. Okay, let's go. We'll work our way up the top of the ridge here. Bueno. There's plenty of cover along the top. Yeah. Okay, we better keep down and take advantage of this brush. Yes, yes. Is this good, Jess? Yeah. Huh? There it is, all right. See, right below us. The patch of poppies, sir. A little hut there at the edge of the clearing. Look, a man near the door. Uh, just let me get my binoculars on him. <laughs> Chewy Flores. Hunch about him was right, looks like. Well, Chewy Flores at this end and maybe the dead girl at the other. See, the question is, who is the tie-up between them? We're going to roost right here until somebody shows up to pick up some of that stuff. (laughs) 
rocks in the sun, I'm beginning to feel slightly like a lizard. Yeah, good eye. Two days and no sign of anybody down there below except Chewy Flores. Jess, this could go on for a long time. Yeah, I know, but it's a cinch Flores isn't growing those poppies down there for his own amusement. Even so, it may be that... The... Hold it. Ernesto, listen. That's an airplane, eh? See, there it is. It's heading this way. It's starting to circle, now. Well, Jace, we already seen that there's not enough room down there for a plane to land. I don't think it has to land, Ernesto. Look down there in the clearing. Flores has hoisted a couple of poles out of the brush. Yeah, and a rope stretched between them. A package dangling from the center of the rope. Yeah, it's a flying pickup. Yeah. Yeah, he's starting his dive. he have to fly very close to the ground. Now he's flattening out, see? There's a hook dangling from the plane. Uh, he's making a pass at it now. Hooked it. See? He's a very skillful pilot, huh? Get down. He's climbing out this way. Did you make out that number on the underside of his wing? I could get only the first part of it. NC45 something, huh? Yeah. But what I noticed, I think that's enough. What do you notice, Jay? Looks like a crop dusting plane to me, Ernesto. You mean the kind which sprays the crops in the field? Yeah. That explains why he's so good at low flying. It also could explain the insecticide in the tire tread of Kitty's convertible. See, see. Yeah. Flores here, the pilot in the middle, the dead girl at the other end. You think that the pilot is the boss of the operation? I don't know. To get an answer to that, first, we got to find the pilot. On our portable radio transmitter, we requested the Ranger plane to attempt to intercept and follow the crop duster. Then we moved in, and Ernesto placed Flores under arrest. By the time I reached the border and called Captain Stinson, he had some information for me. Our plane intercepted the crop dusting plane, all right, Jase. Speed far enough away so as not to arouse suspicion. Tag him all the way to his airport? Lost him for a few minutes, and then spotted him again, landing at the Tri-City Airport. We checked and learned it's a one-man outfit called the Mika Crop Dusting Service. Is the plane at the airport now? Yeah. Sheriff Phillips is over there keeping an eye on it. Thanks a lot, Captain. I'll get over there right now. Yes, over here. Yes, Sheriff. I'm setting up headquarters here behind this shed for the time being. Hmm. See that little hanger off there by itself? Yeah. Meeker Crop Dusting Service. Captain Stinson said it was a one-man outfit. Uh-huh. Meeker's a pilot. Is he in that hangar now? Yeah, working on his plane. Boys in the control tower told me he mentioned a faulty fuel pump to them when he came in. You mean he's been right there with his plane ever since he landed? More than them he has. That puts us in luck, Jase. If he's the boy that picked up that package below the border, then it should be somewhere in that plane or hangar. Yeah, I... Hey, man coming out of the hangar. Must be Mika. Yeah. Heading for the coffee shop, looks like. Sheriff, you get a good look at him. I sure did, Jase. Skin stretched tight across his face. You can't miss it. That's the guy Kitty's landlady told us about. The one she saw Kitty with several times. Yeah. Well, it's all beginning to slide into place, Jason. It sure looks that way. Come on, we need that package for evidence. And now's a good time to get it. While Mika was in the coffee shop, the sheriff and I searched the plane in the small office in the corner of the hangar. And we were unable to find the package. I don't get it, Jace. We know Mika picked it up below the border on the fly. Well, maybe that's just the way he unloaded, Sheriff. On the fly. What do you mean? Look, Mika would be taking a big chance coming in to land with that package aboard, always facing the chance there'd be a tip on him and a search. Yeah, but wait. 
You figure he dropped it somewhere before I landed. Could be. But where? It seems to me it'd be just as risky dropping it in the same place each time as it would landing here with it. But suppose it's a different place each time. Different place? I don't... Hey, wait a minute. Mika's a crop duster. Sure. And what we see in his office there? Crop dusting orders. Right. Let's take a look at those orders again. top of the spindle was an order for that day to dust a cotton field 20 miles east. We rushed to that cotton field, hoping to find the package before it was picked up. <sighs> Some more walking than I've done for quite a spell. Yeah, well, we've already walked our way around two-thirds of the field, but we've been sticking to the edges, Jason. For all we know, that package you picked up in Mexico could have been dropped plumb in the middle of the field. Maybe, but I doubt it, Sheriff. I think they'd want to keep it as close to the roads as possible so the runner could drive up close and pick it up instead of walking right through the field. Yeah, sounds logical, but I... The sheriff, look over there. A package. The package. Just about 20 feet in from the road. Sure. That accounts for the insecticide and the tread of Kitty's tires. She'd drive up alongside whichever field maker had sprayed that day and hunt around till she found the package. Just in from the edge. Uh-huh. Well, what now, Jay? Uh, now we wait around and find out who's taking Kitty's place. We concealed the car behind a pump house at one corner of the field and staked out in a clump of bushes nearby. Shortly after dark, a car came down the road. Stop it, Jay. Yeah. I figured they wouldn't let that package sit in the field very long. Somebody getting out. Crossing in front of the headlights. It's Meeker. Sure is. Jace, why would Meeker drop the package from his plane and come back in a car to pick it up? I don't get it. Neither do I. He's got the package, all right. Getting back in the car. Okay, we'll give him a lead, then tail him with our light flow. See where he takes that package. Look, Jace. He swung off the road. Turned off his latch. Yeah, must have turned in up there past those trees. Okay, we'll leave the car here. Looks like a ranch where he turned in. Yeah. So back there beside the house and parked. Here's the turn in. Now, wait a minute. The mailbox here. Enough moonlight to make out the name? Yeah. S.B. Cullen. S.B. Cullen. What? Well, that's the fellow we had in for questioning. The one that had been looking after Kitty. Yeah, and he was so anxious to give Kitty a decent burial. Give you one instead, Ranger. Huh? Uh, I thought I saw you driving up. Just hold it, both of you. You got the drop on us, Sheriff. I sure have, Ranger. Mika! What? Colin, what are you... Hey, Ranger and the Sheriff. Sure. You were real smart, Mika. You let him straight here. I let... Well, it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't called me and told me to pick the stuff up. I told you I didn't have any choice. Couldn't line up a runner I could trust. Yeah. You killed the one you had, didn't you? Kitty. Shut up. What's the matter? She wanted out and you wouldn't let her. I said shut up. So you're the boss of the operation, Cullen. You're the rat who first dragged Kitty down into the dirt and then killed her when she tried to pull herself out of it. That's one too many, Ranger. Now you try to pull yourself out of this. You okay, Jason? Yeah. As for you, Meeker... Just stand there, real still. Well, I had to drop on you. Get you? Yeah, I guess you've never seen a spring holster before. You don't have to draw. Spring holster? Yeah. 
But you'll never have one, Cullen. That's where you're going. They're going to have the drop on you from now on. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Here's another last-minute reminder to make your plans now to enjoy both the Cotton Bowl and Rose Bowl football games Tuesday on this station. In Dallas, Texas, at the famed Cotton Bowl, the Wildcats of Kentucky, led by their All-American quarterback, Vito Perillo, will meet the wide-open passing attack of Dutch Meyer's Texas Christian Horn Frogs. And, as usual, NBC will switch to Pasadena, California, at the conclusion of the Kentucky-Texas Christian grid battle, to bring you the color of the Tournament of Roses and the exciting Stanford-Illinois football game. The Rose Bowl will be playing host to Coach of the Year Chuck Taylor's Stanford Indians and Ray Elliott's Fighting Illini from Champaign, Illinois. Arrange a football party at your home and enjoy a full day of the country's finest grid clashes. Broadcast direct to you by NBC from both the Cotton Bowl and the Rose Bowl Tuesday, New Year's Day. On this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. William Meeker and S.B. Cullen were indicted and tried for the brutal murder of Kitty Barrows. For his part in the crime, Meeker was given a life sentence. On the morning of November 3rd, 1948, at Huntsville Penitentiary, Cullen was put to death in the electric chair. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. cast included Tony Barrett, Virginia Gregg, Herb Ellis, Ken Christie, Bill Johnstone, and Byron Kane. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Bob Reif, and the program is produced and directed by Stacy Keith. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Next, it's the big show. All this and Tallulah, too, on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.